Greetings, adventurers. This is Michael Thomas, creator of Blue Home, and you're listening to Save for Half. School games and the modern games inspired by them. Here we are once again, the Safer App Podcast, a podcast about old school games and the modern games inspired by them. This game we're covering this month is both of those. It's Gozer, the sci-fi fantasy gonzo role-playing game created by Random Order Creations and JV West. I am the Goose Master, DM Mike, <laughs> and joining me is a D is a goozer wizard with a ship in the bottle, DM Jim. Hey, watch out for the alley wizards. I forgot, you're an alley wizard. Oh well. And a goozer warrior joins us with a heroic statue, and that is DM Corbett. Ah, the goose is with us. <laughs> Always. And over there is a goose scoundrel. DM Liz with a feathered cap. Which I totally did not steal, and you can't prove otherwise. And what else would you expect a scoundrel <laughs> to have, really? And we are talking about the Gozer RPG. I presume it's Gozer. You know, I think you're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. <laughs> well, no, no, it was it was written in England, and as we all know, they pronounce it Goza. Goza. <laughs> <laughs> not only is JV West not British, he's from some he's from Somerset, Kentucky, about a hundred miles down the road from where I grew up. And this is getting perilously close to being a hate crime to the British, so <laughs> let's just move along to this role-playing game, which is interesting and available on DriveThruRPG at the moment. We will have links in the show notes. And we will hit all the specialty stuff, but first Let's hit a pod break. Hey everyone, this is Tim from Tomorrow's End Podcast. If you're interested in post-apocalyptic moral project, then Tomorrow's End Podcast is for you. You can hear us at tomorrowsend.org, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, and more. Open your mind to new Dungeons & Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves. For in Dungeons & Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. New Dungeons & Dragons from Mattel Electronics. Christmas means many things to many people. To some, Christmas means glittering lights, gaily wrapped gifts. 
That's right. Sounds of laughter and good cheer. To the folks at Preparation H, <laughs> it means a time to pause for a, <laughs> a few moments to... <laughs> <laughs> to give thanks to their friends who've been so kind <laughs> and generous. So from... <laughs> from Preparation H <laughs> to you and yours, a <laughs> very Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's time for Mike and the Mechanics. Sorry, sorry, that's Mike and the mechanics of the game. My bad. Mike and the mechanics. All right, everybody, bear with me on this, because it's uh, got some terminology differences. Tray tables up, seat in upright position. Yeah. There are three attributes, which are called ACs, which is... Action class. Action class, that's it. It's cunning, magic, and prowess. You have three numbers to put in them, 8, 10, and 14. Lower is better in this game. So if you're a scoundrel, you would put your 8 in your cunning. If you're a wizard, your 8 in your magic. And prowess, if you're a warrior, put your 8 there. But you don't have to. It's just recommended. As noted earlier, the three classes are wizard, warrior, and Scoundrel, which you can pretty much interpretate to a cat. <laughs> well, not a cat, but anyway. <laughs> Wiz are spell points, which is a poorly named action class number, but whatever. You have hit points. You have weapons that do damage. Defenses take away damage in this game rather than such. Each uh, character has goose points, which act kind of as fate points, which allow you to do nifty things. Each character has a background, which is sort of a prior profession before they start to be an adventurer, talents, bennies, and that sort of thing. See, hopefully I did not steal any of yours this time. Jim. Uh, I came prepared. You can't okay. get all of them. <laughs> okay. Combat rolls and test rolls are on D20s with various modifiers. If I'm not forgetting anything... That's pretty much character generation and more or less how the system's done. There are a lot of tables in this game, and it's a big user of the D66, where you roll like 2D6 to get 11 through 66, D44 with 2D4s, D88 with 2D8s, etc., etc. All right, well, then, let's talk about our first impressions. It's just a first impression. I could be totally wrong. It's only a first impression. And only impression is wrong. It never can hurt. First impressions. Corbett, because it was your choice. Honestly, I didn't realize it was a game when I, because I followed, I followed JV West uh, on Facebook and I'll get like his, his art all the time because it's really fun to follow his stuff. Mm -hmm. And his art is fun. <laughs> I mean, he was posting it during the pandemic. And I don't know if anybody else knew this, but there was a time when there was a lot of people quarantined and stuck home just waiting for stuff to happen. And he was doing something. And that's really exciting. And on it, well, Jim was doing stuff too. So I guess I give, give kudos to Jim for putting out stuff for people. But this was something he was putting out every day. And then suddenly he's at, toward the end of it, he's like, hey, there's a game with this. Like, oh, great. 
uh, I kind of generally followed all the, the random tables and didn't know what they were for. Because you just put out a random table and all the drawings and everything that goes with it. It's like, that's neat. <laughs> well, to be fair, this is as much a setting as a game. Totally. It's almost more a setting. <laughs> yeah. It is very rules light. No, incredibly. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to generally follow him along for the last few years. And it's super exciting to see him like culminate it into the book that it is. I didn't realize that when he was doing it. I thought he was just goofing around. So pff, there you go. Jim? <laughs> to be fair, he does goof around and post all kinds of like great character sheet designs and little random tables. How, how would you know? <laughs> very true. Well, Jim? My first impression is it's a post-apocalyptic game with genre-mashed magic and spells in it, so what's not to like? That's my whole jam. Reading this game is the way he's written and hand-lettered every single inch of it. It's like getting to read Von Baudet's home campaign notebook if he played D&D. I mean, just the sheer wanton creativity on display in every single nook and cranny of these rules makes my head spin. And I'm pretty creative, but not like this. I mean, I want to make a character every time I read the book. Okay. Studying the book for this podcast has now gotten me all the way to, I got to figure out how to run this at a Gary Con or for my family at Thanksgiving. One of those two things will happen. <laughs> cool. Well, they're not mutually exclusive. You well, do I only got, you know, I, I, I have stepped up my game to run it as rules is written because there's ah. a lot <laughs> packed in 48 pages. Liz? Well, going through it, the first thing that really struck me is just how gorgeous the whole book is. As has been mentioned already, the entire thing is hand-lettered, hand-drawn. It's like every single page is just jam-packed with not only information, but with art all over it. It is not written or laid out in a linear manner. I mean, you will meander all over the page, you know, like you're navigating a garden labyrinth or you're following Billy in a family circus cartoon as he goes around the neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, every page is an adventure all by itself, just reading through everything and following along. It's like the artistic creative in me absolutely adores it. If you have a more logical and streamlined bent to your personality, this book will have the ability to drive you up the wall. <laughs> but I think it is awesome. It says at the very beginning that one of the inspirations is heavy metal. I can certainly see that. Personally, I also get a Ralph Bakshi Wizards vibe, mm -hmm. rock and rule, and the old Wormy cartoon from the back oh, of the yeah. Dragon magazines. I get all of those feelings while I read through this. Wormy is a good pull. I hadn't even thought of that yeah, comparison, yeah, and you're right. Here. Yeah, I agree from when I was reading, and just for disclosure, I read the text-only version, so I didn't get the artistic version for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I got a very wizards. And yeah, it, it leans a little more into the magic than, say, Gamma World. But yeah, there's plenty of tech, and I hesitate to use the term mutations, but special little abilities that your, your goos can have. I also really enjoy that you're pretty much playing this little weird lump thing, and you, you can just go adventure. I, I wonder if it might keep some people from identifying too much with their characters, but I honestly don't know. You, you know, it might be one of those things that you just grow so attached to them, they're so ugly, you love them. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a, a different take. I hesitate to say it's Vanchian, but it's kind of like Vance meets rock and roll meets wizards. You could totally run a wizard Ralph Bakshi film campaign with these rules as long as it was all in Scorch. 
where the goos are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And even if, you know, the rules don't grab you, you know, there's plenty of supplement here for you to run it with whatever rules set you prefer. Yeah, good point there. So I think you ought to at least try the rules system out a couple of times first, because there's some pretty nifty ideas, but we'll we'll get into that. I think it's fair to say somebody's going to find at least a roll-up table. You're going to go, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. There's some of them. So many roll-up tables. <laughs> All right. Well, then, let's hit top five. The Save for Half Top Five. In five, four, three, two. All right, top five, and we'll start with Jim. Oh, right there at number five, I've got D44, D66, and D88. So well done, Mike. You did get me. (laughs) So I'll just switch on down. The general game design, which is hard. You You have to read all the way through this and then wrap your head around it. But really, at heart, it's just radically stripped down D20 mechanics with a boatload of crazy extra stuff bolted on. And I love that as a game design approach. I mean, that's all Dungeon Crawl Classics and Newton Crawl Classics are at heart because it's a very freeing approach to game design, but it has it has effects on the game. It, uh, I think I haven't played this yet, although I'm now dying to. I think that design of stripped down D20 with crazy stuff bolted on promotes greater player agency without encouraging power gaming and min-maxing. It's all about your imagination and these crazy tables and what you get. So chef's kiss, kudos to JV for taking that approach. I mean, he says in the, uh, the Indicia that he was very influenced by Black Hack, which makes sense, and Morkborg, oh, yeah. which makes even more sense because this is like the anti-Morkborg. If Morkborg is a master's design thesis and fancy graphic design, this is the Robert Crumb underground comic of RPGs. <laughs> he did it. So kudos to JV. Corbett? This is, this is going to sound like a negative starting off, but there is no XP or, or way to level in the game. But Even though it says leveling up. It does. <laughs> but the thing is, the way you kind of level up is you get crap. So you're basically like collecting lint as you go along. And the, <laughs> the, the bits of stuff and weird mutations or magic or whatever it is you pick up is how you advance. So it's, it's kind of a you start, you play, and, and you just enjoy it. Which I like. <laughs> uh, I got the impression you've got a leveling up system in Victorious, Mike. But the way you play it at your personal table is you tell people when they've leveled up, depending on what's happened at the table. And that's kind of the feeling that I get from the Gozer level up system. It's like mm. you level up based on what happens, what your character did. Well, right, 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 right. You, leveling up is just you survived the last adventure. So congratulations, you get to pick two of these benefits. And the benefits are just more hit points, more spell points, more whiz points, some treasure or some lucky rolls. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not second level. You just got stuff. Mm-hmm. Nowhere on there are like abilities. You're, you're, you built that 8, 10, 14 is going to be forever. So kind of like Gamma World. Yeah, you're front-loaded. Okay. Liz? Something I thought was a really neat idea. If you lose all of your hit points, you get the choice of either dying and rolling up a new character, or you can choose something called debasement. Mm -hmm. And you, you live 
but you take a form of permanent damage that's rolled randomly on a D6 table. If you do get super attached to your character, it's like, I don't want to make up a new one. It's like, you can hang on to them for a while if you're willing to take the the permanent negative score or whatever that you wind up getting because of what happened to you in battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you could say that pretty much through these rules it, it encourages you to well yeah you can just get a sword but you know you can get a sword with a special little role play bit to it and if you're willing to do that then you get a benny part of it which i think is really neat but anyway okay my number five goose points are like fate points but it's not just automatic successes you can choose other things to do with them and one of the things that i thought was a nifty idea that if I revise Victorious, I may steal it, is you get to take initiative away from your opponent. And that just seems so intuitive. I don't know why I've never seen that in a game before, but it's like, well, why wouldn't you? That seems awesome. If you're willing to spend the goose point, why not? Steal that initiative. Yeah. Wink. And since initiative is side-based in this game, not individual, then that not only benefits you, it benefits your whole party. So awesome. Okay, four. Jim? Um, I'll go ahead and do a deep dive into the magic system so you guys clear the deck, since you tend to save that for me. I adore this magic system, and I'll, I'll just do the overview and then poke down in other numbers. It's broken into three types of magic that the characters can use. Vulgar, wizardly, and true. And vulgar magic, anyone can do it. Like, you uh, don't even need the whiz points that you would expend for spells. And there's tables after tables after tables of what the vulgar magic spells are. I don't want to say cantrips, because they're better than that. The only bad thing about the vulgar magic, anyone can do it, but wizards can undo it with their spells. Then the wizardly spells, which can be reversed. Your wizard in this game as a class, if you say so. And saying so gets you either seven whiz points or... Uh, you could foolishly risk rolling 1d6 plus 2 for your whiz points. The wizardly spells are reversible, and they come at a price. You have to pick a special mark, a special weakness, and you've got a watcher, somebody, some other being, watching what you do and recording your every move. And there's no more explanation than that, but that's enough to freak a player out. Mm -hmm. It's very R.E. Howard-type magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. In our old campaign that, that my brother ran, I wanted to be chaotic good, but I kept being chaotic neutral, and suddenly Ariok is chasing me as a little golden child, and I didn't figure it out for forever. My brother was evil to him. <laughs> so like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come over to the real side. And the true magic is the absolute magic of deep time and space, and, and that's awesome because it can't be reversed, undone, countered, or resisted. When somebody whips out a true spell on you, it just happens. And that's awesome. I, I'm, like, I'm like reading this stuff, and it's like you said, I wish I thought of that. It's so good. Okay. Corbett? Well, then I'm going to follow up with wizard tricks, which are like cantrips, but they're permanent. It's kind of cool. As, as a wizard, you get the these little gimmicks, and you get to roll them up, to, to, or you think you can pick them too. You can turn your head 365 degrees. You can intimidate birds. <laughs> a levitate in place. <laughs> Breathe through ear. I don't know why that's there, but hey, why not? Because they're goose. <laughs> yeah, they're goose. You get two of them, so it's like a, a gimmicky trick thing that you can always do all the time, no matter what. No magic roll, but it's somehow only magic users get to use it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's the stuff you do to impress the rubes. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> they give me light a candle, I think was one of them. Yeah, light yeah. candle with finger. Or for those of you who read the Harry Dresden books, Flickem Bickus. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Although, speaking of movies that this game would emulate, I thought of another one, Liz. Hmm. Twice Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why it just occurred to me, but I think it was because green sleeves got old and bent. <laughs> mm. All right, Liz, over to you. Okay. Um, jumping off of Corbett's wizard tricks, one of the things that I had written down for on my notes on this, one of the wizard tricks is disturbing bodily noises. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm think I'm looking at that and going, I'm not sure that's a trick solely of wizards. <laughs> <laughs> And if it is, I know a lot more wizards than I previously suspected. They are everywhere. <laughs> Maybe it's a wizard thing to do at will? I don't know. I mean, there's people who can belch the alphabet at will, so oh, are they okay. a wizard? Are they not? Yeah. That is I, a pretty neat trick. I have questions now. <laughs> I completely read that backwards. I thought that meant you could make other people do that, like in the middle mm-hmm. of a Tight well, negotiation. It, it, it's, it's very vague. I mean, is it you or is it other people? It just says disturbing bodily noises. That could be anything. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the cool things about this, too. There's not a lot of definition on things. Just like, just just figure it out. <laughs> Rulings, not rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, it's simple enough. Speaking of rules, something that they provided for the character generation, needs and deeds. Oh, yeah. Which I cool thought one. was nifty because it was a nice, simple... It's almost, dare I say, nature and demeanor, only <laughs> it's really simplified and just, well, what does your character need? What has your character done? You know, what mm-hmm. can you brag about? Or what do you want to do? You know, it, it's it's cool. not It's not like, here's a paragraph, write all this stuff. Like, no. No. There's like enough for maybe three words. Yeah. <laughs> just really simple. Want a turnip. That's that's your big goal in life, to get a turnip. No, I don't want a turnip. I need a turnip. I need. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a need. I need it. My deed. I had one once, but it got away. Because in this <laughs> oh, world, my... you know, turnips could totally run off, I'm sure. My God, that one campaign we were both in, Liz, who started the cheese thing? You or Allah? I think it was Allah. Well, well if it was Allah I, who I started remember... it, you sure jumped in with both feet. because well, was... well, the thing was, supposedly... Everyone was getting cheese sandwiches from their god, except for my character, and I never got my cheese sandwich. <laughs> so I kept waiting for for my my cheese sandwich from from my god. And I'd have found a new god. You know, they can't provide you a cheese sandwich. Come on. Yeah. Okay, three, Jim. My number three. All damaged dice explode all the time. Every time, boom. <laughs> Who doesn't like exploding dice? And and instead of a bunch of fancy rules, it's just all damaged dice. If your damage is two d six and you roll six, well then you roll another six. Yeah. Not to mention on top of that, for every point over the number you roll to hit, that adds damage too. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll leave the critical hits and fumbles to somebody else, but those are very nicely done also. <laughs> Okay, Corbett? Yeah, so many things to choose from, but as everybody knows who listens to the podcast, I waste a lot of time looking at money. And money in this is clinks and tossers. Yeah. I just love that. <laughs> you- I know Mike didn't, because he doesn't like money. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course Did I you- don't like money. I'm a professor. <laughs> We're just jealous because we don't have any. Yes. <laughs> Certainly didn't Corbett get into did- this for the box. 
Corbett, <laughs> did you parse yeah. the entirety of these rules to see how many clinks a ladder costs? I did not, but I was tempted to because it was fun to jump around. But it's so much fun to read, so you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I just love clinks and tossers. Clinks and tossers. Yeah, you how just do can't you know wrong with that. what's a clink? If it clinks in your pocket, it's a clink. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although most everything costs tossers. I noticed that, too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's all I got. Go ahead. Okay, Liz, three. Okay. Uh, well, we've been talking about tables, and there's a lot of them. Indeed. There's what they call what is called an adventure machine uh, later on. And you roll on a series of tables to randomly create an adventure scenario. And it's a lot like when we covered East Texas University. Yeah, all the Savage World supplements have that in it. Yes. Like, like we said when we talked about that, you know, it's a great way to generate some ideas on the fly. Or you can just look over the prompts to spark a creative idea on your mm -hmm. own. I thought that was really cool. And there's a lot of neat little ideas in there. My three. Rub or kiss belt buckle for plus two. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Your own or somebody else's? Your own, because okay. apparently a goose's belt buckle is very important. They're lucky symbol. So I don't know if they're talking about normal size belt buckles or if they're like wearing WWE belt buckles, <laughs> you know? I guess it depends, you know? Depends. CJV is such a polymath. I mean, but I'm guessing he started out as a cartoonist first, and that's the kind of thing you get from a cartoonist. Okay, what kind of belt buckles does this one have that's different from the last three? <laughs> I'll write a table. Because for a 70s gonzo game, you can't have too many tables. All right, Jim, number two. My number two is going to be Goozer City. I mean, this, this game obviously comes with a sort of general presentation you work out in the first just do character generation okay all the pretty ones are dead we're the goose we're left gooser city is just a work of, of genius it I, I haven't seen anything like this since uh city state of the invincible overlord uh -huh. and that, that <laughs> it's either like a miniature city state of the invincible overlord or as you go through the 10 pages of tables it reminded me of the citadel ricks in Rick and Morty, because there's just so much that can happen. So many people you can meet. That's why I wanted to be an alley wizard. You know, there's a bunch of tables for uh, people you run into, NPCs. And if you're just like a regular, the, the hoi polloi, well, most goos are boring base and quite uninterested in adventure. You're not most goos, okay. But there's an alley wizard, and I just love the um, construction of that term. Fritz Lieber might have hedge wizards. But uh, Goozer City's got alley wizards. You're just going to meet. I want to be an alley wizard. I just want to hang out in an alley and charge people for not much of nothing, for all the cantrip things. <laughs> Khajiit has wares if you have coin. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it's super easily laid out. It's almost like a stack of index cards. You could just sit down at the table and run the city because the map is just abstract cartooning you navigate it by two streets that cross two streets that cross wander around and then start rolling on tables and that's the building the npc the event and it's right in front of the uh, adventure machine liz was talking about so between those two things you could start a whole campaign just people fiddle farting around in town which is always a dm challenge you need tools for that when people hit a hit a town and want to see everything Two blocks so. down, one block over. That's my <laughs> mantra. Yep. And any of the names, the, back to the JV being a polymath name, the two streets are Avant Boulevard and Inuit Avenue. I want to go to <laughs> Inuit Avenue. 
and ki- and you know just kick some stones and see what happens. I went to Ennui Street, but I just couldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the way how he describes it. Last beacon of civilization, first oh bastion of Goo's ascendancy, a real hole. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, JV does a bit of wordy dirtying in here, so <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I, mean, I didn't come across any f bombs or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, PG-13, you're allowed yeah, a couple yeah. of three. Yeah. All right, Even Corbett. though Corbett will Briarch them all out. That would be funnier. Corbett's a real two. Briarch hole. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hate those. Corbett, two. Yes. Oh, okay. Let's get out of town. Because the first thing you want to do is go adventure, right? Look for a dungeon? No, you can only go up. Because every three days, you'll find a tower. It's actually in the rules. Two out of six, ti- two out of six days... Uh, or no, two out of six chance to find a tower every day you're traveling. So one in three chance to find a tower. In three days, you will find a tower, guaranteed. Tower and power. there is four, what, four pages of roll up a tower. I think I wanted to, it was three to four pages of let's roll up a tower. There's a wizard. There's a dead wizard. There's a machine. There's whatever. Like, holy heck. What was <laughs> Towers that, what was are that way fun. Supplement <laughs> that Jim Moore did for Troller Games, that little box oh, yeah. set was uh-huh. like Towers of Adventure or something. And it was uh-huh. almost like that too. You know, everything's a tower, 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 tower. I'm okay. It was just funny. Uh, like, and it's different <laughs> rather than the average hole in the ground. You're going up. That's, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. The fun thing would be you're traveling somewhere. There's no tower and you travel back and where there was not a tower, suddenly there is a tower. And why not? You why know? not? And why not? One in three chance. It's probably going to be there. <laughs> They planted a tower seed in the ground, and the tower grew up out of it. <laughs> Why I think not? A spell like that. Mm. Okay, Liz, two. Number two. Alrighty. Another neat thing: treasures and leveling up. They talk about how if you get a treasure, you can describe a flaw or a drawback that you have to deal with if you oh, keep yeah. the treasure. And if you do that, you don't have to, but if you do then you'll gain a lucky roll every day, as long as you actually do keep and use the item. So they give some examples like, you know, this gun recoils, or it's like, I've, I've got to thump it to make it work. But you create a flaw for something and use it with the flaw, and you can get a, lu- a lucky roll every day. And that's what I meant. You know, it's like there's little things in the rules that encourage you to make things maybe not min-maxed, but unique and give mm-hmm. some flavor to the game. And I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah, and it encourages you not to get too precious with your character. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, just be flawed. Don't be perfect because you're a goose. You're not perfect anyway. You know, just do stuff and have fun and, and don't sweat it. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. yourself. Maybe have some fun and stop yeah. arguing about the rules. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And I'll play off my two on that. Appearance of your goose. There is table after table after table. What's your skin color? What's your hair color? Do you have hair? What's your blood color? What pronoun do you use? And the best part is, in most of those tables, it says... Or just choose. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not straight-jacketed to the table, but the whole idea is to get you beyond the idea of, oh, my character looks so awesome or so amazing. No, you're not. You're a goose. You know, have a mohawk and 
blue skin with bright yellow blood. I mean, why not? You know? Yeah, have triangles mm-hmm. for ears. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. I was going to say, what shape is your ears? And there's like 20 results. Yep. Your ears could be a tube. <laughs> they could be a, a pigtail tube, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, you know, go wacky. Go wacky. All right, Jim, take us home. Number one. I, I talked about my favorite stuff, so my number one is just going to be something Messalina reminded me when she was meowing in the back. There's uh, <laughs> a familiar table, too. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Very wizardly. And I'm going to see how fast I can do this. You have to roll a D66 to figure out if you get a dog, bat, cat, frog, rat, snake, monkey, fox, lizard, wolf, owl, raven, songbird, pig, squirrel, rabbit, butterfly, bumblebee, mouse, spider, badger, chicken, goat, toad, hawk, skunk, scorpion, turtle, stoat, hedgehog, snail, porcupine, parrot, mantis, dove, or a bear. I think I want a bear. Yeah. I want a stoat. I just like to say the word stoat. I want a bumblebee. <laughs> what is a stoat? I don't even know what a stoat is. It's sort of like a weasel, isn't it? Or an ermine? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very, 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 very weaselly. Yeah. Okay, screw the bear. I want a stoat. <laughs> <laughs> By can the I, way, okay. I'll, can I I'll, roll I'll say twice this and combine the two into a weird creature? <laughs> it's a cat lizard. If you take it to basement, you can. Ooh, a stoat and a cat. A croat. <laughs> And I'll end my number one with this. You know how we do the patron extra things where we all gather and roll up characters, except I'm too busy to do it. If we do it for this one, I'm in. I'll just ship 30 <laughs> less books that day. You pick the time. I want to roll up characters in this so bad. I'll do Everyone, it. Everyone, you heard it here first. Jim volunteered for a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let's do it. I'm usually like Bender. You want me to do two things? What? What? <laughs> Corbett, number one. I'm going to go with a secret number one. No, yeah. No, you can't do <laughs> well, that. It can't, it can't be so secret that you don't tell us what it is. Well, no, it, it came with a Kickstarter. I, I actually ordered off of the Kickstarter and it came with an optional rule separate from the rule book. Secret from all of you other people who, you know, weren't cool enough to get in the Kickstarter. Oh. oh dude, I was broke that month. <laughs> so it's a gloat rule is really what it is. Yes. No, it's a simple rule, actually. It's, it's a good idea, too. It's uh, an optional rule for true weirdos. True weirdos, not oh, the, well, not right the stereotype normal types. No, no well, lies they, detected. No, no. His idea was to add a usage dice on things that have a use, so you don't have to worry about like counting your bullets, counting your arrows, counting all the crap. Oh, you like around. in Black Hack. Yeah, where you go, basically, you have like a like eight. A pistol has a D eight, so you roll it at the end of a combat or end of a battle or whatever, and on a one or two. You go down one dice to a D6, mm. and then to a D4, and then you're gone. Alex does that in our second edition AD&D game uh, with magic items, you know, things that have charges. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, whenever... This is easier. Yeah, whenever our magic <laughs> user uses one of his wands, at the end of the combat, he rolls the die, and if he gets a one, then it goes down a die level. So mm-hmm. the, the magic missile wand started out as a D8 and then goes down to a D6, then down to a D4. And then once you've done the one again at that point, it's like you're out of charges. <laughs> that is so much better than tracking. You know, I never is. liked that part of D&D, encumbrance totally. and I having to remember I go look for my arrows. Well, and he That's also it. put in like water, food oil stones i mean just anything anything that has a use so it's like oh we're out of it we gotta get more simple yeah, i like that <laughs> then you're not playing a logistics rpg <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure that that is entirely the point of Gozer. <laughs> I mean, who would sit there and bicker over a cost of a ladder or something? It'd be silly. Indeed. Mr. Wargamer, what's your number one then? <laughs> well, we got to get Liz's number one. Yep, Liz. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. Thought I was going to get out of that. Yeah, Jim was trying to save you here, but no dice. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Okay, my number one. Oh, tables. She loved tables. Yeah, no. <laughs> table, no, table, no. tables. <laughs> there, there, there weren't any rumor tables, Liz. I looked hard. I know. The only table that wasn't in the book. <laughs> 8,004 other tables, but no so rumor table. For revised Gozer. <laughs> add a rumor table. JV, add a rumor table just for Liz. <laughs> I'll forgive everything if there's a rumor table. As long okay. as there's one rumor that says Liz likes rumors. <laughs> that's not a rumor. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll put a T after it. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. My number one. The background is kept extremely vague. As a goose, you wouldn't have any idea of what your world's history is, but you get the idea of reading through it. The world was ravaged somehow, and the pretties managed to exterminate themselves in some manner. And whether it was magical or technological, you don't know. I like how you have this idea, but JV does not give you the actual specifics of what happened. Because one, it's really not that important. And two, it gives the GM the ability, if they want to make it important in some kind of a campaign, they can decide what happened, how it happened, and if they're going to give the players the opportunity to find out. Hey, Liz, combine Gozer and Morrow Project. See, that could work. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> it would be almost like watching a Muppet movie. Yeah, with these live action people wandering yeah. around with little little <laughs> But I want a gazetteer that tells me every living NPC in the entire city and exactly what caused <laughs> the pretty ones to go away and a I need a gazetteer, Jim? Me, 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 me. No. A gozer tier? Ah, oh. Gotcha. There you go. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> yeah, you could do Fraggle Rock with this too, couldn't you? Mm. Yeah. This is not a game for rules as written people because good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely isn't. Okay, my number one. And it's going to be one of the monsters I chose. It's oh. a giant killer turtle with. A nauseating gaze. I love that. Ooh. Yeah, you see it and you barf for one round. <laughs> yeah. But it's called Groot. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. I now mean, it's spelled G differently, I'm sure. G-R-U-T-E, not G-R-O-O-T, but it's still Groot. Groote, yes. <laughs> it's, it's French. French. It's, it's the so French is that the nauseating gaze, you know, that, that <laughs> gaze of disdain that a French person gives an American? <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That's number one. And an honorable mention I must give to Goosemaster GM for the mm -hmm. GM of the game. As a guy who created Genteel Magistrate, I can't but approve. <laughs> right. Well, Let's take another pod break, and then we'll go into what makes the save and what briarchs. What do you get when a fantasy gaming horror sci-fi geek 
and an Army veteran history nerd want to do a comic book related podcast. Why? You get the Weird Warriors podcast, of course. Weird War Tales was a 124 issue DC comic book series published from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll sidetrack on to an occasional special mission where we discuss an issue of a like themed comic book from a different title or publisher. There are also the rare Road Warriors episodes where we report on comic related road trips like conventions or visiting the homes and grave sites of comic greats. We'll nitpick what the comics creative team got wrong and crawl about what they got right. We'll also break down the facts behind the fiction in the stories which is sometimes quite weird in its own right. Even the letters page and our favorite ads can't escape our judgment, just as we can't escape yours in our own dead letter office mailbag. Torpedo-eating dinosaurs. Haunted chateaus. Time-traveling rats. Zombie robots. Day-walking vampires. Gargoyle armies. And that's just in the first 20 Weird War Tales episodes. So, report for duty with the Weird Warriors podcast with Max and Rich, where we promise to make war no more. What makes a save, and what is going to take? Free art! the save and what free arcs and this time we'll start with liz Alrighty, what makes the save to me the biggest draw of gozer is the setting everybody and their dog has a generic fantasy rpg gozer is anything but generic it's its own thing with its own feel it will give you a truly unique gameplay session you'll play gozer because you want to experience its world and what it's like to be a goose what doesn't make the save? I'm sure this will come as no surprise to anybody. So many tables. Dun, dun, dun. I'm shocked. I mean, <laughs> Gozer has all the tables you can eat. <laughs> well, and I felt so bad for Mike in this one because it's it's one thing when they're pretty and they're arranged to follow the way you eyes trace a page and there's all his cartoon art but Mike was looking at like just a wall or listening to a wall of read aloud text mm-hmm. table 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 <laughs> god bless you for working your way through this one oh my gosh the game is predominantly built on just a bunch of tables and lists gozer is assuming that you've got the gm chops to take a list item and build your encounter, your NPC, your setting, whatever, from it. And if you've got the chops, you'll be golden. There is so much here. If you don't, you'll be frustrated. However, either way, I think you will very well want this book to mine for ideas, even if you don't want to use it on the fly within running the game itself. I mean, there's a lot of bang for your buck here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Corbett? That kind of similar to Liz. I would say it's it, it as a makes a save. It is painfully fun to read. <laughs> hear that, JV? You're a pain to Corbett. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can just hear Corbett now in the back room. You're in the bathroom. <laughs> Ow. like even before when when we were uh, rolling up stuff and liz was like oh it's this oh wait no no it's over there it's this no no it's over there this this is the one and she was trying to just read off the table and tables are scattered around and kind of uh, sprinkled about the page and you can read them but they are a lot to dig into and it's kind of fun because of that and doesn't make the save 
it's painfully fun to read because you're you're kind of dancing around the page the way it's it's not totally written in the way your eyes meant to follow but at the same way it's fun to do it so you'll read the same table like probably 20 times and get something new every time it's just that's the good and bad part of it. it's all in the same thing and it's fun fun to look at so there's that good and bad all in one all in one goal yep uh, what makes a save even though i haven't played it it seems like it would be super easy to play and the ideal one shot game session that you get to the end of and start wanting to make a campaign out of it that's the way it reads and and i'm gonna find out when i run it because i'm on a grail quest now i'm gonna run this somehow somewhere if any of you decide to run it i will be your first player slot uh what doesn't make the save i'm just gonna phrase it a little differently the highly graphical presentation may be smack in the middle of my sweet spot but it may not be suitable for our all neurotypes it could be difficult to parse for some although as a saving grace it didn't come up in anybody's top 10 it does have an index in the back to help you out that is true good point good point that's the only part that doesn't make the save otherwise i'm in love with this game okay (laughs) ah my makes a save it is lighthearted. it has a unique setting this is not fantasy heartbreaker number 90210 this has really got its own feel. Heck, I could use this. And even if you're not interested in the setting, I could use this, for example, to create some unique uh, NPCs in a tribe of goblins or hobgoblins. Just the appearances, the behaviors, it's the way things are set up. It's just awesome. I also, I think I said earlier, it doesn't get too bogged down in the precise appearance of your goose for, well, that doesn't look like a a tall fellow halfling or that's not how a deep dwarf is supposed to look no there, there's the only consistency is it's inconsistent doesn't make the save i i just don't know that i could be in an actual campaign of this it would be fun for a one or two setting but i don't know if i'm the neural type to to enjoy a long-running campaign i'm not saying you couldn't run a long-running campaign because the rules he provides you you could definitely do it I just don't know mm-hmm. if I personally, I just don't know that it would be my bag. Mm. But that's no bash really on the game. That's as much of a bash to me. <laughs> well, you're kind of our wargaming expert because you play a lot of board games and board games. So, you know, well, I used you, to, you just but... jazzed it up with some Nazis and some tanks and a hex map. And flesh-eating zombies. Oh, mm-hmm. and, yeah, mobs of zombies. Mobs of zombies. <laughs> Everything's improved by mobs of zombies. I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't know, the Care Bear movie really lightened up for me after the zombie showed up. <laughs> and the so. My Little Pony? Oh, that was a whole new new way of viewing the ponies, I tell you. <laughs> that pony imploded. <laughs> uh, all right, well, this is Gozer, the sci-fi fantasy gonzo RPG. Hope everyone in enjoyed our review of the game and uh, we'll have links to the Kickstarter and where you can pick it up now. Have fun and say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. Goose to you. (laughs) Wait, my ear is shaped like another goose? Rearc. This is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks.
for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. I'm more than 20, like a 60.